podcast. I'm Emily Schoolfield, and I'm very grateful to spend this Monday morning with you. Today, we're going to cover a topic that I've actually been excited about for a long time. Um, the name of this episode kind of gives clues as to what it is, but um, public enemy number one, loving your husband. And we'll get into more detail as we kind of go through. Um, but first things first, I want to share this week's recipe, which is baked uh, lazy lasagna. And this one I found on Pinterest and I actually really like. Um, you can either make ravioli from scratch beforehand and have it in the freezer or just purchase a frozen bag before. Um, and you basically just layer your casserole dish with red sauce, mozzarella cheese, and the ravioli. Um, just stack it on top of each other and then you just put it in the oven and it bakes. Which is so nice because it takes out the steps of boiling the water and kind of having to be involved in the cooking of it. Instead, you can set it up, put it in whenever you're ready, and then get other things done or be involved with the kiddos while it's cooking, and then it's ready to go. And um, it's a little fancier looking than, you know, just some pasta. So um, that's a cool one. And I will go ahead and link that in the description there if you would like some access. But um, yeah, let's jump into it. So loving your husband. This is something that we're called to do as wives um, for younger women who are dating. This is something that you should definitely be thinking about if you're thinking about being married or um, just kind of going through what it looks like in the future when you become a wife and what those roles are and um, what you hope to be by looking like Christ and being like Christ. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and start out by painting you a picture of kind of what my life looks like, uh, what some other moms I know look like and you know, maybe what yours looks like. So you wake up in the morning at 6.30 a.m. because your kid is crying and ready to get up, which means you get to get up because, you know, you're on their schedule. So you start out your day and it's going pretty good. You're making breakfast and all of a sudden as you're preparing breakfast, the little one reaches up on the counter and pulls down everything and it's all over the floor. So you take a deep breath. You go, okay, I'm going to clean it up. We're going to remake breakfast. It's still going to be a good day. So you go ahead and you remake breakfast, you're going about your day, all the toys are everywhere, but the kiddo's having fun, so you're in a good space. One of the kids maybe is going to the bathroom, makes a huge mess. You go in there, you take a deep breath, you say, well, let me just clean this up and get them cleaned up and we'll get back to playing. And then finally, the best part of the day, nap time comes around and you lay them down and you have a couple minutes to breathe, but wait, not today because you have a busy afternoon, which means you actually have to get all the housework done that you would normally get done later while they're napping. So that's going to be your only shot. So take a deep breath. You say, it's okay. I'm going to power through today. You go about your house stuff. And then afternoon rolls around. Kiddos are awake doing their own thing. And it's time to prep dinner. And that 5 p.m. frenzy starts. Everything's crazy. The kids are running around throwing fits. You're just trying to keep yourself together so that you can get food in the oven because you got places to be at 6 p.m. And your husband walks in the door. And it's all okay because he's here which means he will help. But what he does is he takes off his shoes in the living room or, excuse me, in the front room where you just clean. He leaves them in the middle of the floor and he heads into the room doing who knows what. Probably going to the bathroom, maybe taking a shower, decompressing after work, and you are left in the mess. And at that moment in time, your entire day, sorry, you've taken breaks and you've taken deep breaths to get through it. And now... Your husband is public enemy number one because he doesn't see you're drowning. He's not offered to help. Instead, he's taking some time to himself. So that's kind of how I want to preface this episode because I think this is a day that 
we all live very regularly and maybe not in that specific way. Uh, maybe you have more kids or you have other things going on, different duties I didn't recognize or your husband comes home at a different time. But that is what I want to focus on today. When you are at your wits end and you are putting in your all and your husband is there and you're expecting more from him and you're just not getting it. So now I would love to talk about what a perfect man is because I think when we all go out in the dating pool and we're looking for someone and we get married, we're like, we have the perfect man. He's going to be great. He checks off all the items on our list. But what is that list? Um, so I want to bring in a book that I have been reading. I've not finished it yet, but I so far have loved it. It is so cool. It's called what, uh, What's It Like to be Married to Me? Which basically is a style of um, a book about marriage, obviously, but it puts it on yourself. So it's a personal study that talks about your marriage, which is, you know, a relationship between you and your husband, but more focuses on your side of the story. Um, and this is great. And it's by Linda Dillo. And um, I just want to go to this one page real quick on this topic. So it says here, the first floor sign reads, these men have high paying jobs and love kids. The women read the sign and say, well, that's wonderful, but I wonder what's on the next floor. The second floor sign reads, these men have high paying jobs, love kids, and are extremely good looking. Hmm, say the girls, what's further up? The third floor sign reads, these men have high paying jobs, love kids, are extremely good looking, and will help with the housework. Wow, says the woman, very tempting, but there's more further up. The fourth floor sign reads, these men have high paying jobs, love kids, are extremely good looking, and will help with housework, and are great in bed. Oh, mercy me, but just think, what could be awaiting further up, say the woman. So, up on the fifth floor they go. The fifth floor sign reads, this floor is just to prove that women are impossible to please. And if you're laughing at that, then you are just like me and have the same sense of humor because... I think it is so true. We set up this list of expectations, this list of what we want in a man. And I'm sorry to tell you, but they will they will never be perfect. They won't. And if that frustrates you, I'm sorry, but I can say for myself, I disappoint God every day. I love him and I want to be just like him, but I will disappoint him every day. So it is up to us on how we receive that. And this book has been so great to me because in most situations when I'm frustrated or something's going on, it's very easy to look at your husband and think that he's the problem or try to ask more of him or, you know, and I think in some situations, obviously, it is something that he needs to work on. But today, I don't want to focus on that. I don't want to um, give us any peace necessarily or grace in our responses that are negative towards our husband because I think we need to focus on how we take what happens or what's given to us and how we respond to it. That's mainly what today's about. Um, and a couple episodes down, when I do a podcast with my husband, I think there'll be more room for kind of the back and forth of that and how we handle it. Um, but today, specifically, I'm calling out you, and I'm calling out me, and I'm calling out all the women or girls, just young women, everyone who um, has a response to things as they come and how we should respond to that. So I want to first say that public enemy number one is not your husband. It is very easy for him to feel that way, for him to look that way, for him to be something that we put all the blame on because it's he's such an easy target. And I've always, I've told Cade, there are days, especially when I was pregnant, where I just, 
I was exhausted and things were going on. He was the only one there. So he was kind of the one I assigned blame to for everything, which is not fair at all. Um, that's really something that I've had to work through personally because it's so easy to just, you know, assign your emotions on other people the way you feel, but you really need to take responsibility for those. Um, but public enemy number one is Satan, and he hates marriage, everything about marriage, the whole idea of marriage, which is to be an example of Christ, to see the characteristics of Christ through a man and a woman and that union they have together. Uh, especially a Christian marriage where you have Christ at the center of it, which just makes it all the more powerful. That's everything he doesn't want. Everything he doesn't want. Um, and I mean, the whole idea of how we're called to be fruitful and multiply, we're creating more Christians. Uh, that's absolutely not what Satan wants. So it's something that's very powerful. And we need to recognize now, as both wives and mothers, that we are going to always be under attack. We will always be Satan's biggest enemy. And he will always be our biggest enemy. But I think it's good that we remain his biggest enemy because that shows how powerful we are um, when we try to be like Christ. So that's one thing I just want to kind of preface with that uh, we're going to be working on um, shifting to when it comes to our reactions to things. Um, and I do apologize. My voice is very hoarse. It has been dry here like crazy. So I'm trying not to lose it. Um, excuse me as we go through this today. But your husband has faults, which we know. Everybody has faults. And if you have the expectation every day that he's going to come home and be this perfect angel that comes in and sweeps you off your feet and makes it all okay, then you will probably be disappointed. Because I also put the expectation on myself that every day I'm going to be just as Christ was in everything I do, but I'm human and I have faults. And the only thing I can do to... Um, to work through those things and to become more like Christ is to bring him into my daily life. So I, that's one thing that we need to do to be more like Christ is to spend that time with him. And in that example I gave of kind of a day in the life of a mom, you'll notice that no time was spent put aside praying through things. No time was put aside doing a devotional or maybe some peace and quiet for the mom. And that's something that I really think does affect your attitude all throughout the day. I have days like this all the time where there's so much going, 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 going that I don't get a moment to stop and breathe. And I can really tell at the end of the day, you know, before I go to bed when I say my prayers and just kind of thinking through how the day went and what was going on, that I see a shift in myself and a different version of Emily, a different version of me as a mom um, when I don't have those moments to take a deep breath. I don't have those moments to... Um, I don't know, call it a hit of adrenaline or something from Christ or a hit of energy that kind of gets me going. I know a lot of people rely on coffee. I try really hard not to see that as a Band-Aid. I mean, it is a Band-Aid, but I try not to use that because in those moments when I feel exhausted, I really notice the biggest difference when I sit down and pray about it because God gives me a sense of peace he gives me the grace I need for my children or for my daughter. Um, he gives me the patience I need to get through the day. And that's something that you don't just get and then you're done. That's something that I need to constantly revisit because I'm human and I don't have any of that. I don't. I can't create that. Only God can give that to me. And that's something that he's teaching me um, and a virtue that he will give me daily. So on these crazy days, how can we make time for that? I think the easiest thing to do is pray. Prayer does not have to be formal. It does not have to be something that 
you're in a quiet space, although that is the best. <laughs> when you can find a moment to be alone, lock yourself in the bathroom, just, you know, two minutes of, okay, I need to sit here and um, make that time. But prayer is something that you can do while you're cleaning up the mess. As things are falling, just, Lord, please help me to take a deep breath and to realize it's just a small mess I have to clean up. This is a very small piece of my entire life. I just got to do it. It's just, you know, something that I need to knock out. I'm going to move on to better things. Lord, help me come up with ideas for things that can entertain Valerie today. Lord, help me to deal with Valerie today or give me more patience or, you know, um, days when you wake up drained. Lord, give me the energy to get through today. And I think those prayers, those small prayers throughout the day are what really give me what I need. And I think even in the morning when I wake up and I say a prayer, I might not have my day planned out, but as it goes, it really helps me to decide, okay, am I going to go to the gym today? Do we need to get outside? Do we need to do this, this, and this? And I think without that time of sitting in prayer and just resting in Him, instead I get so tight-wound that I can't think. My brain physically turns off, and I think, you know, mom brain is definitely a thing. Um, And when you're giving so much of yourself to this little person who wants everything, it's really, really hard to do anything. So you have to remember that it starts with you. And you are the patience, you are the grace, you are the example to your child um, of how to work through these emotions and work through just the day-to-day. And again, like we've talked about in the previous episode, being an example to them. Um, They see you in these situations, they know you get frustrated. Valerie knows exactly how to push my buttons, she's only one. Um, But seeing how you work through these things and also seeing the example of you praying will really help them have... Um, an idea of how they should deal with it when they get um, into those situations. When they get frustrated too, you know, doing the same thing, sit down with them, take a deep breath, say, let's just say a little prayer about it, um, and um, just kind of doing a reset. And I, I really think that's something that, as I continue to do, is going to be a good example to Valerie and hopefully something that she and I can do together once she gets in these similar situations. So, with that said, um, I think that our attitudes are something that specifically impact our husbands, right? So again, in my um, story about a day in the life of being a stay-at-home mom, my husband also goes to work. I have no idea what his workday looks like. He works at Starbucks. So um, as a manager, I mean, anything that goes wrong is his responsibility. And that's a lot to carry, you know, both having a responsibility of a family at home, but also of a workplace and you know you've got quotas you gotta meet you've got crazy customers that are coming through and all this stuff going on but when my attitude of him coming home is to be saved a lot of times the way I see it is I've been doing all this crazy stuff all day you've been out free you've been without a kid you've had nothing to do which is not true but when I'm so stuck in that moment I'm being so selfish because all I see is myself and what I've been doing that I have no grace for him I have no patience to hear an excuse of, oh, well, I need to go to the bathroom. I haven't had a break for three hours. Or, oh, I want to take a shower. I've been sweating all day. It's so hot outside. Instead, I see the moment of, okay, that's great, but I've been taking care of your kid all day and I need help. And that's completely wrong. That's so wrong. That's not at all the scenario. I mean, this child, number one, is not his kid. It's our kid. And my job is to take care of her. And when he gets home, we do have a split load. So a way to also help avoid this situation, something that we've been working through lately, is expectations for when he does get home. Because he might have the expectation of, hey, I get a break 
when I get home and then I'm going to jump into it with all the energy I need because he also needs to take moments to be quiet and be alone and to refill his cup as well because otherwise we're both just going, 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 going and we aren't going to be able to work as a team and so we're going to be biting at each other all the time because we just have no patience and our cup hasn't been filled. So he and I have been really working towards um, creating an expectation on a Monday. So if it's the start of the week, then we'll kind of sit down Monday night and be like, hey, here's what this week looks like. Here's where you work. Here's where um, we have um, things going on, like a Bible study, or here's where I want to go to the gym, and kind of setting up those things, right? So then you know, okay, here's what the schedules look like. So if he gets home on a Tuesday and he knows that we have to leave the house at 6, that, hey, you don't really have a ton of time to relax. When you get home, I'm going to need help to get the kids ready, to get myself ready, to get out the door to go do this. Um I think that's really helped because in his mind, which is totally understandable, when he gets home from work, he's kind of responsible for himself. You know, he knows that I'm taking care of the kiddos. um, And so he needs to get himself ready for wherever we're going. And then once he's ready, he'll kind of step in and do what he needs to do. But for me, when he got home, I felt like it was like, now, now's when I'm getting the help. Like we need to do this thing first. And then we have time to get ready at the same time or flip flop or, you know, so expectations are something that definitely need to be shared. And communication is a huge key to marriage. It's one of the biggest reasons for divorce. Communication, communication, communication. Um, and that's something that we have to have those Monday night meetings for. Otherwise, on a crazy day like I described, there is no window. I mean, maybe I could do a short five-minute phone call with him when he's on his break. Um, but there is no window to have that communication. And when you're working as a team in a home, you have to have that communication. Or there's just one person in charge doing things, then you just kind of become that roommate mentality, which is something that we really try to avoid. Um, But something that Satan loves, he loves to separate us. He loves to get in the middle and make us feel like we're all on our own or upset with the other person because they're not doing enough or they're not supporting us or it's all, you know, me, 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 me. And it's very easy to get in that um, wounded mentality. Um, And it's just, it's not healthy for a marriage and it doesn't, it doesn't speak life or love into any of it. Um, and so it's important to have those expectations set aside so that you can be a team and work together. Um, and what I also put in my notes here um, is that it, it really does start with you, right? So in the situation of blame, which is so easy to do, picking on the other person and constantly going after them for what they're doing wrong, they're not going to respond positively to that, right? They're also going to feel like they're being attacked. And I don't know about you guys, but if I'm ever attacked by someone uh, verbally or told, oh, you aren't doing this right. Oh, you aren't doing this right. I'm not in the mindset at that point to be like, oh, let's talk about this. Like, yeah, you're so right. How can I do that better? Whereas instead, I'm going to get defensive. And then you're fighting with each other. Again, your spouse is not the enemy. Satan is. And he is so good at pointing out everything that that person does wrong. And he hears your thoughts and he knows, oh, this is this is good. Let's build on this. Let's get upset with this. And the only thing, because we are so human, the only thing that can help me flush that out, that can help us flush that out is Christ. Because Christ is the truth. Being in his word day to day is the truth. And it starts with you. It starts with where you're able to get that truth and speak the truth, not to speak hate, not to speak lies, but instead give life to your partner and your spouse and, um, a verse that talks about that, I mean, is the one we all know, the golden rule, Matthew seven twelve, and everything do to others what you would have them do to you. Because hurt people really do hurt people. It, it spreads. Bad attitudes spread. Positive attitudes spread. So you need to decide 
which one you're speaking of, because speaking life into people, it, it really is amazing. And it's something that you can do. Um, but you have to build that foundation with Christ and you have to learn how to be graceful and how to have patience and how to have love. Um, and that's something that he can give you. So your attitude, us ladies, um, is something that is also talked about in the Bible. Not you specific, but the role of a wife. Um, Proverbs 27, 15 to 16 says, An excellent wife is a crown of her husband, but she who shames him is like rottenness in his bones. So that's a big thing. When you make the commitment to being a wife or even a girlfriend who's committed to her husband, or not husband, excuse me, no, 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 a girlfriend has committed to her boyfriend, you know, and working towards marriage. This is something that you need to recognize as your job. This is what you're agreeing to. And this is also what you're called to do by Christ is to be a crown of her husband, is to speak love and light into his life. And coming home from work, you know, I'm not saying that we're going to be perfect every day. And I'm not saying that I'm at all perfect every day or that it's something we can always do. But it should be us that greet him at the door show how excited we are, how happy we are to have him home. Our kids are watching us, telling them how excited they should be that daddy's home. Um, and just giving him that moment of, okay, I'm walking in the door. I have no idea what the mood of the house is. I have no idea what craziness is going on. But just giving him that moment of, hey, I'm so excited to see you, is that gentle reminder of, hey, I'm proud of you. I'm so grateful for you going to work. I'm so grateful for you supporting us. I want to tell you I love you. Just starting there and then let him dive into what's been going on for the day. And I think that's also a good moment for me as a wife when I give my husband a hug. It's just kind of like, you know, you get the like fuzzy feeling in your brain. It's a moment of like, okay, I have my partner here. I have someone who's supporting me. We are a team and we're in this together. And it takes away that isolation because isolation is really what can start to kind of move people apart in a marriage. So, that is something that we need to take responsibility for, and that has nothing to do with our husbands. They have their own roles, but when we're focusing on our hearts and our role, that is one verse that I really do like to keep close to me because we also have the ability to be rotten to him and to ruin his day and to make his life more difficult and to, you know, just not be something that I want to be at all. Um, so, again, this book I want to bring up again has a lot of these topics in it. It goes in more deep or deeply um, to just concepts, other marriages, and examples. And I really love the way this book is set up because it doesn't give you an opportunity to put blame on anyone but yourself. Because one of the questions on the back here is, what would your husband say about you at your funeral? And he's going to know you the best, believe it or not. You can't hide anything from them. So um, a super encourages book. It also has a devotional at the back, which I think is for like 20 weeks. I'm not quite sure. I haven't done that part yet. Um, but something really cool to look at if you are looking for a devotional. So moving on. Yes, this one. Okay. So social media right now has a lot of very funny, um, reels and short videos of just, you know, household encounters, things that are happening. Um, and a lot of them are very funny. My husband sends me more reels than I can even watch. Um, and most of them are very good. Um, but one trend I'm seeing 
is just the shame being put on husbands for either lack of knowledge with babies, lack of attentiveness with the home, just just lots of things. And I really, really don't like that. I, I will say there are moments when I get frustrated with Kate or maybe he does something that I see is wrong and I do need to talk to someone about it. And that I do think is okay to go to someone you can fight in, someone who's going to support you and hold you accountable for your faults rather than, okay, let's go get drinks and screw your husband. This sucks. Um, but someone who instead can come alongside you and kind of work through those things with you. I think that is very important. But I don't think it's important or good to smear your husband's name on social media or in a group of women like, oh, my husband does that too. Yeah, he's such a jerk. I hate this, this, and this. Because you are representing your husband, not only to other people, but to your children. You're representing your husband to his friends. You're representing him to everyone. And I think it is very important that you set rules for yourself on what you share and who you quote unquote vent to. I know that there are times when I need to vent to my husband, I guess, and complain about things that are going on. Um, but in that setting, it's not about a person. It's about things that have kind of happened throughout the day that maybe I'm frustrated with or, oh, the bank did this and, oh, I finally got this check cashed and those kinds of things. But I think we need very careful when it comes to our spouse. There's also, I mean, very well known that slippery slope of confiding in maybe another male um, who it's very easy to talk to him about things that your husband's doing wrong. It's so easy to come up with lists of what other people do wrong, right? Um, but it, it just opens that door for someone to seem better or kinder or nicer than your husband. And that's just not a good place to be. That is a very slippery slope. And if you ever find yourself in that situation, I would encourage you to... Stop talking about your husband with other men. That's just not something you should ever do. I mean, maybe you're talking about um, your dad or your father-in-law, but I still think that you need to hold yourself accountable. Be careful what you say because that is your husband. Um, and um, sorry. So to that point, that was kind of off on a tangent. But be careful what you say about your husband. Um and one thing that I can say I'm very confident in and grateful for in Cade is that he's also very careful about what he says about me. There are things I do that frustrate him, but he's not going to go to his buddies and um, complain about me because that's just, that's not, that's not fair to the spouse. You were in a situation, you read it one way, could have been read another, and nobody else was there. It's not about them. It's not their information. If something's happening where it's actually a danger to you, then again, have that one person or girlfriend or wife, friend or mom that you can confide in. Someone, you know, who does hold you accountable. And you can be very careful in how you choose that person as well. Um, but the internet, I just, and I don't, I don't like the way things are being shared and um, the negative light that our husbands are being put in because I think that goes back to the rottenness in his bones. I mean, if you're talking poorly of your husband and you're just not setting him up for success you're not being a loving wife and you're not um giving life to him you're not uh representing christ in any of that um so that's one thing i just kind of wanted to call out because i've seen it as quite a trend recently especially when it comes to um all the videos that the algorithm's been putting on my feed when it comes to having kids 
or being pregnant and um, how you're carrying the whole load on your own. That's just not true. And if it does feel that way, then I would encourage you to talk to your husband. That's the one you should be talking to. Um, and if there are faults or things that you feel like aren't being done, then I, I definitely recommend um, speaking to your husband and a step past that would be going to counseling. I know there's a huge negative on counseling, but I went to premarital counseling with Cade before we got married. It's one of the best things I ever did. Um, they brought up questions that I would have never asked. They brought up things that we never thought of before getting engaged. And they also helped us work through issues that we didn't even know were issues or things in myself that I didn't even see, um, personality traits. I find the more I learn about my personality, the more I'm able to work with Cade because I also learn about his personality and kind of how we've worked together. So if you are in a position right now where you just feel like you are drowning, your husband's not hearing you, I'm not telling you to fix it on your own. I'm really not. Um, I think you should definitely focus on your attitude and how you're handling it and what you're giving to the relationship. But I think he also does need to be held accountable um, and you should definitely seek help in those resources um yeah absolutely so um one other thing I did add down here again is that Christ is where our strength comes from and I cannot hammer it into my head personally enough is that every day I need to be in the word I need to be talking to Christ it's like any relationship if I don't see Cade for a day or don't talk to Cade for a day I feel completely lost I'm like I can't make any decisions I don't know what's going on where am I going at this time can I do this, this, and this? It's something that I get, you know, jumbled up in and it's a mess. I need to connect with my partner. He's my partner. We're doing life together. You know, every decision I make and Christ needs to be that times 10 because he is, you know, a part of every part of your life, not just your marriage. And that's something that we need to be resting in every day because we really are our children's line of defense. I mean, think about it for a one-year-old. I believe that my daughter is aware of the Holy Spirit and does know of the Holy Spirit. But she can't herself right now make the decision to be committed to Christ, right? That's something that I put on my shoulders and I communicate to her. And I am her first line of defense. Well, my husband and I are her first line of defense when it comes to any spiritual attacks or any terrible things um, that come to her. And that's our job as parents is to be spiritual leaders to her. And that is something I can't do on my own. That is where Christ is required. I believe that God will give you things that you can't handle without him. There are so many things you can't handle without him, but he won't give you anything that you can't handle with him. And so that's why we need to seek him every day because childhood and raising a child is something I can't do without him. I can't. I have so many unknowns, but that's one of the beauties of being given a child is it's not just yours. It's not, she's not just Kate and I's baby. She's God's child, right? And all the time we have with her is a gift. She has been given to us to help take care of and to help raise on this earth. Um, but God is required for all of that. He is a part of that. And he is one of the biggest pieces in all of it. So our personal time with the Lord and our connection and our relationship is something that needs to be taken care of. Just even more than our child, maybe. I don't know. I mean, both should be equally taken care of. Um, but it needs to be a priority because what you can give is all that you can give. And your child is going to constantly require more, 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 because it's never enough. There's nothing on this planet that's enough for us. And the only way we can get those things is from Christ. So keep that in mind. And, you know, setting reminders on your phone or doing a daily Bible study 
or um, the Bible app is super easy. I'll be cleaning the kitchen and just playing. I'm going through Exodus right now and just trying to get through all the books of the Bible. And it's it's something that you can integrate into your day. Maybe only a piece of it um, really gets through to you. Uh, but it was an idea that was brought up to me by Ann Janda. We'll be speaking with her in the next episode. Um, but just to have pieces of it in your everyday life and trying to integrate that. And maybe while you're playing, just playing some uh, worship music in the background. Because over time, your kids will listen to these things and know them. And they're going to have questions. And so it's really cool to have him involved in your everyday. Because he is. He is involved in your everyday. But you also need to fill your relationship with him and call on him and speak to him and ask him for forgiveness and accept him. Um, and that's something that your kids are watching you do. So taking all of these ideas into a day-to-day, what would a day look like that same day if those moments were taken to sit and pray and to rest in God and to ask him for the help that you need? I think it would be a completely different day. I think... Um, I mean, I know, actually, I've witnessed it. My days are completely different. I think that you would have more patience for your children. You would be able to rest in God rather than rest in what you feel like is, you know, um, something that's mind-numbing, like watching a TV show or something, um, which, yeah, not that it's a bad thing. I think it's great if you have time to sit down and watch a TV show. But the days you don't have that, don't see it as, oh, I get no rest. Oh, I've got nothing. I'm dying. Um, but instead of being able to rest in him and take the time, maybe even in the shower to just sit or stand and breathe and just pray. And, um, I think that that it, it does, I'm not thinking, I'm telling you for me, it does change my day and, um, changes the way I can be a mom and a wife and that will directly impact my marriage. And that will directly impact my husband's attitude when he comes home and maybe, you know, he's had a really bad day. And there are some days that he's going to come home and I'm not going to get much from him. I'm not going to have much energy from him or help us, um, Valerie. But it's okay because I know that I'm being fulfilled and I am being given the life I need and the energy I need from Christ. Um, and obviously as a pattern day-to-day goes, there are going to be days, you know, maybe where it's been a whole week of no rest and you really need a day to yourself. And I think those are important too. And that's something, again, expectations go with your husband. It's, I think it's important to set up those schedules and make sure each part of you has what you need. If you're the type of person like me that loves to have a schedule, that'll probably be easier for you than others um, who maybe aren't living on a schedule, but are seriously just putting their hands up in the air like, I don't know, I got to work this shift on this day. I got to do this on this day. I'm full-time mom this day. Um, so um, ideas for those people as well, or if you have something that works for you, I'd love to hear about it. Um, because my, my way might not be the best way or it might not work for everybody. So those are things that I think, um, we should definitely share with each other to help other moms who maybe have five kids right now (laughs) trying to get their day. I mean, I only have one. I hear that after you have like three or something, um, going to the grocery store with one is like having no kids again. So I try to remember that (laughs) every day. It's crazy. And I'm like, oh my goodness, how am I going to do this with another one? People want more kids. Um, But um, that's why I just, I love to share my stories with other moms too, because it gives you a whole new perspective and you realize, oh, okay, it's not just my house that's crazy. This is life. This is how we're doing it. So um, I love just hearing from you guys. So definitely encourage that. Um, Your husband, I want to let you know right now, 
is the man for you. He is. You have picked him. God is working with you and you guys are keeping God at the center. He is the perfect man for you. He's not perfect. You're not perfect either. But working together, you can be perfect for each other and working as a team. Um, And God, in the middle of that, he will give you everything you need, everything for every situation. So always keep him in your life at the center. And your kids also get to see this amazing example of what a marriage is. Um, The best marriage example I ever had in my life um, no shame to my parents. I mean, they have their own story and they, I'm sure, would share it. Um, but they didn't stay married. So the example of the longest uh, marriage I had in my life were my grandparents. Um, and to this day, they're still married. They're still going. And just seeing that growing up, you look at it and you're like, yeah, that's it, it's right. You know, seeing their love for each other and they're not perfect. I've witnessed them get into little tiffs every once in a while, um, which I think is also healthy to witness. But um, having that is so powerful in uh, just relationship and teaching your kids about what sacrifice looks like and uh, what God looks like with them representing different aspects of Christ. Um, and it's it's a really cool, powerful thing. So those of you who are married, you really do have something amazing. Um, and putting the work in, like I said, all good things take hard work. And putting in that hard work, I can tell you myself, my marriage has only gotten better these last, what, three years now? Um, and I hope it continues to get better forever. Um, but being an example of that to your kids is also really cool. And I'm so grateful that I had that example in my life. Um, even with the background that I had and, um, I've just, I've learned a lot from all the marriages in my life, all the examples, you know, ones that go through rough patches, get back together, maybe don't work out. And, um, I I really think that in all the examples I've seen though, it's, it does start with you. And I mean, you could say that to both sides of the marriage, but I I think that um, for me, as I witnessed these things, I put all the focus on myself, my attitude, how I react to things and making sure that it's coming from Christ. Because um, the only thing that I can do to be the best wife and mom I can be is to lean on him. So just a little something, something there. Um, But I think that's all I have regarding public enemy number one, Satan, not your husband, um, and loving your husband and just kind of a call to that. Um, this has been a really fun week. One more time with the book. It's called what, What's It Like to Be Married to Me? I always want to say what is, sorry, um, by Linda Dillo. And there's for the camera right there. Want to take a look? Um, yeah, highly recommend. Lots of good stuff in there. I'm going to continue reading it. I haven't finished it quite yet, but everything I've been seeing has been great. Um, And next week, we're going to be talking about women's servants, which is super cool because we're putting a modern twist on it. And I get to finally speak with my friend, Anne Reese. Um, I think I called her Janda earlier. I'm so sorry. She's married now, but I've known her for so long as Anne Janda. Um, And that'll be a great episode. So definitely tune in for that. I'll finally get to do an interview, which I'm wanting to do more and more of those as time goes on, because I think, I mean, I can sit here and tell you my opinion all day long, but I love to hear others and be challenged on things and, um, really incorporate other ideas. So I'm excited for that and submit some recipes to me. I mean, I've got plenty in my arsenal. I'd love to share, but I also want some new ones. So if you can send me some that you like and have been working for you at home, maybe some easy ones or some more complicated ones that taste really good. I'm definitely up for those ideas. Um, with all that said, I pray that you have a great week, that you are, um, having a good time with your kiddos and that we get to see you next Monday. 
So, all right.